0: Hello and welcome to the Fantasy Faithful, an FBL podcast brought to you by thefootballfaithful.com. I'm your host, Steve McGovern, and I'm joined by Planet FBL's Dara Curran. Dara, how's it going?
1: Very good, thank you. Very thanks.
0: Not too bad. Good to have you on. And uh, after being promoted to the senior squad last week, we're rejoined by Harry, one of our own, Diamond. Harry, uh, I hope you don't think you're too big for your boots now that you're on the, the main pod.
2: Oh, no, it's positive but boys.
0: Good stuff. How was your, you were telling me you were at your granny's wedding during the week. How was that?
2: Yeah, it was a bit of a strange one, and um, social distance wedding. The my nana, who's pushing pushing eighty now, I think. So it was an unusual one. It sounded like a bit of a uh, a bit of a bullshit excuse when I texted in saying I needed a few hours off to go to the wedding. But yeah, it was nice. It was nice, different experience, but yeah, it was nice.
0: That's lovely. That's good to, that's good to hear. Uh, right, so on with the show. Uh, we'll be going back over game week three. A very weird game week for a lot of players. Uh, looking ahead to game week four, hoping it'll be a bit more stable for everyone. And then later on in the show, we'll be giving you our differentials who are going under the radar at the minute. Our one-week punt, captain's pick, And of course, our guaranteed lock of the week. We've actually got a a fairly decent record of that so far. So you don't want to miss that. Before we get to that, let's take a look at the Football Faithful League standings because things have changed at the top yet again. The man at number one is, once again, Cash Adios. He has stormed back into lead. You might remember he was number one after game week one and he got 67 points to retake the top spot from Srinjoy Romani, who fell down to fourth after getting just 43 points. So, Cash Adios, Bumble BFC, he's now on 237 points. After he had his team, it's, it's, again, 67 points, it's actually, it's not amazing, but it's actually, considering the week that it was, pretty good. He uh, had uh, Salah captained, and he also had Vardy for that huge haul, Callum Wilson for that late, late penalty, Jack Harrison... Seamus Coleman and Dina and then Andy Robertson. So they all returned and he had blanks from Jimenez and Romain Sice, but uh, that didn't really make a difference in the end. So well done to Cash Adios. What a name. Yeah, so he is at the top at the minute. He's got a nine point lead. So if you want to try Cash Adios, you can join our league. Uh, the code is QCEY3L, or you can hit the auto join link in the episode description below. We've been getting loads of new members lately, so that is brilliant to see. Now, it's time for Captain Hindsight.
1: Who's Captain Hindsight?
0: Captain Hindsight, the hero of the modern age. This is the part of the show where we look back at the game we've just gone, agonize over our mistakes and the moves we should have made. Now, as we discussed last week, Dara, we both use our wildcard. And of course, I would have to sell Dina, Bruno Fernandez, and Alex McCarthy, all of whom obviously returned. What about you? What moves hurt you most? I think I saw that you went the triple Wolves. Was that...
1: Triple Wolves Wolves for a zero-pointer from the three. That was a nice one. Um, I forget. I I was on double Liverpool defence, and I took out Robertson, so that was another 10-pointer. Overall, basically, my old team i would have been 19 points better off had i not wild carded oh, yeah um, so short term it's not worked out we'll see what happens going forward
0: do you feel better anyway because even though like you know i got you know 43 points which was dead on the average score it's the same score i got last week but uh, i actually got a few green arrows so i was happy enough with that uh, my rank is still pretty low but uh, i feel kind of better for the future you know I, I, apart from We'll get into it later. I have a couple of players that I actually think I'll probably need to get rid of, which is annoying. I might have to take a hit this week, uh, which is so annoying after using your wild card. But uh do you feel kind of better set for the future? I mean, those three Wolves players are playing Fulham this weekend, they got some pretty good fixtures. So absolutely, yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I don't think I'll do too much. I, I mean I would have been absolutely distraught if everybody else had had a crazy game week mm-hmm. and but everyone seemed to do pretty poorly across the board. So it wasn't, wasn't as bad as
0: a wildcard as it could have been. Yeah, I don't think anyone did great. What about you, Harry? How did it end up for you? Any regrets, Keys?
2: Yeah, I got stung by Wolves as well. I saved the transfer and double transferred in Size and Pedence, who didn't even play. So I got zero from both of them. I actually got saved for the game week by Jared Bowen, who's a player I've been trying to get out, but he keeps remaining in as I prioritise other positions.
0: Hasn't he lost? <laughs> yeah. Like what what price is he now? Is he six point three now?
2: Yeah, six point three. But he he's... he got me fifteen points yeah, this weekend. Can't, so can't he's, argue with that. Yeah. Come so... back. Captain wise, oh, I was never gonna captain Bowen. I went for Kane who got an assist, didn't he? So I've, I've returned with a captain each week. But I'm f fa- I'm fairly happy with where I am at the moment. I think the Wolves will definitely pay off. The Wolves players will pay off over the next run of fixtures, hopefully.
0: You know, after the first day or two, after yeah, after Saturday, I was kind of like, oh no, why didn't I get more Wolves players in? And actually, it turned out all right. But again, I only have Pedence, so I'm looking at that going. I wish I had more Wolves in my team now going forward. But we'll we'll have to see what uh, what surgery I can do with my team and maybe get a couple in. Dara, why why do you think so many experts are flailing? Is it the unpredictability? Because the first three weeks have there's been such fluctuations, like the the variance is crazy.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I mean that that's always the case in the first couple of weeks. You need probably extent, five or six though. game. Mm, no, well, it's it's all these mad penalties as well aren't helping. Yeah, I think yeah, definitely yeah. not the weird handballs.
0: Yeah, it's strange, and I think as well that the lack of a preseason. Some teams are catching up to others. It's all over the place. There, it isn't really a level playing field, and you have some teams playing you know well one week and the next week they're playing really badly. So. Yeah, it's it's a weird one. But uh, up next now, we've got the eye test. So this is uh, where we look at some of the players who we think, aesthetically anyway, they kind of looked good, but are they in our plans? Harry, who did you think looked uh, particularly good at the weekend and and you've got your eye on?
2: I quite like the look of Harvey Barnes at the moment. Ah. I was looking through the stats before and saw he's had the most shots on target of anyone in the league. He's got one goal and an assist so far, which isn't massive numbers compared to some of the other players. But I think the way Leicester are playing, he looks sharp and he. Look, I think the points are going to start flowing for him pretty soon. I'm backing Leicester to carry on strongly. I think they're more settled than a lot of the teams who will be pushing for Europe, similarly like Spurs, United. and I, th- I think they can stay up there in that top six for most of the season. So I'm backing um Barnes is a player I'm keeping a close eye on.
0: Yeah, that's a great shout because, like you said, most Shot's on target with seven. He's played every match, so he seems to be pretty nailed on. I suppose the only thing you'd wonder about is 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 he accurate enough? Like you said, he's only got one goal. Uh, he's only added an assist, but you would hope that, that more is coming and at seven point seven point zero, I think he's a great pick. I, he's actually in my kind of consideration for, for uh, this weekend anyway as, as a kind of like a long-term pick at least. Darrow, what about you? I like the look of...
1: Trossard for Brighton. I've always kind of fancied him since he arrived in the Premier League. He's just a bit of, bit of a classy player and very unlucky not to get get a haul uh, at the weekend. Hit the post, was it three, four times?
0: Uh, do you think he's one of those though, he, he, maybe he looks classy, but he doesn't get, you know, I've always liked the look of him as well, but, you know, I don't think he's he's one for consistent returns.
1: He might be the case. Yeah, he could be one of those. I don't know. Uh, the decent fixtures coming up, Brighton. So for six million, it it's not. He could be one just to fill in a nice fourth or fifth midfielder spot.
0: Absolutely. One who I mean, like this is such an obvious one, but I just had to bring it up. Is is Trent because obviously he hasn't been raking in the points lately. But looking at his it just his numbers, he had three chances created, six crosses, two big chances created, two shots. And he hit the woodwork. And obviously, he set up Andy Robertson for, for that goal. So, he's one I'm, I'm. I don't have him in my team at the minute. And I'm waiting for him to punish me because, you know, I think it was like last year as well. I think Robertson looked better, points-wise anyway, in terms of returns. But Trent was definitely beating him in the, in the uh, underlying numbers. And so, I stuck with him. And eventually, we all got rewarded with that, you know, monster performance he had against Leicester when he got the, wasn't it, the three assists? So he's one that I'm waiting for him to punish me for not having him. I have 0.6 saving the bank so I can do an easy Robertson to to Trent switch. But I'm also uh, wondering, Harry, if maybe a double up is in order, Trent and Rob.
2: I think it's definitely something to look at, yeah. Liverpool, we talked about their defence and how they weren't keeping the clean sheets that they were for the first half of last season. They were fairly solid against Chelsea and bought for Robertson's Harlow against Arsenal. They were largely untroubled in that game as well. I think they're both great value, even though they're the most expensive defenders in the game, because they provide returns that midfielders of similar price wouldn't do. So I think the double up is definitely something to consider at Liverpool. Yeah.
0: In terms of also the eye test, I mean, Mane has been looking great lately, Dara. And you know, we talked last week about how Salah's underlying numbers aren't like incredible. He has the most shots of anybody in the league so far, but he's followed very closely by Mane, who has more shots on target. He has the same amount of goals, even though he's not on penalties. <laughs> have I been premature, as many people have been, to, to go from Mane to Salah? Because I think Sadio Mane, I mean, it's only the penalties thing that I think is keeping me on Salah, but like Mane looks, looks brilliant.
1: Yeah, I think, I think I'm the same. It's the, the penalties that just edge it for me, I just think they're going to be a big factor based on what we've seen so far. You could even see from the goal that Mane got, it was, it was Salah's shot that just he was just in the right place at the right time, and he tends to do that. He just kind of drifts into the six-yard box and he's there to, to snap up anything. Yeah
0: and also Mo Salah actually he should have had an extra assist because remember he he played that wonderful pass for Diogo Jota who you know, somehow missed and it should have been a goal and and you'd have an extra Salah assist there and obviously Salah there was that weird moment where Salah kind of like just stole the ball from Jota it's like get out of here this is this is my shot what are you doing here this is my box so yeah it's it's one of those I I feel like you, you can't have both of them, so you just have to take it and, and suck it up. One of them is going to haul the week, another one doesn't. So I think you just got to take your medicine, really. And, and I think the penalties, they swing it for me. But, I mean, just in terms of performance, I actually think Mane is, is outperforming Salah at the minute. Right, up next, we've got nerd nonsense. None of this nerd right. nonsense so- about expected goals. Now it's time to look at some of the stats in FPL. You know, I put put out a a graphic on our Twitter today, just kind of like the attacking leaders after three weeks. In terms of goals, Jamie Vardy and and Dominic Calvert-Lewin have five each. Calvert-Lewin is top of the XG charts, 3.3. And that's without penalties, by the way. Salah, like I mentioned, 14 shots. Shots on target leaders, Harvey Barnes, as we mentioned already, seven. Kane is still ahead in the assists chart with five. And he's also got the most expected assists as well with 2.4 XA. Dara, was there anyone stats-wise that leapt off the page for you uh, this week and in, over the three weeks in general?
1: Calvert-Lewin just seems to tick all the boxes for me. Or yeah. Calvert-Lewin-Golski. Lewin,
0: Calvert <laughs> yeah, we in Bayern, we have uh, Robert Lewin- Lewandowski golski you know, Robert Lewandowski.
1: Yeah, I, I think he's... For, among the strikers, he's top for shots in the box. First for big chances, top for shots on targets and top for XG. He seems to be doing it all. Just going away from... The main ones that some of the ones that you've mentioned, Solly March, 5 million midfielder. He's been wing back for Brighton. He had seven penalty touches, which was the most of any midfielder, I believe. No, maybe that couldn't be right. He had seven penalty touches anyway. <laughs> he had five goal attempts. That was third for midfielders, four shots in the box, two big chances, and 11 crosses.
0: Right, so he's doing all right. I mean, he's won actually a couple of years ago when, when Brighton first came up. I had him in my team and he did get returns every now and again. Is there something different about the way he's being deployed or playing? Or do you think it was just a once-off against Man United who were kind of, I don't know, the defence was all over the shop. I don't know what it was, like, what it was about that right-hand side, but he was getting loads of space there. Do you think maybe he won't get that against other teams?
1: It's possible. I don't know. He's 5 million. I mean, if he keeps that up, he's one to watch. I wouldn't, I certainly wouldn't be just
0: jumping and transferring him in. Yeah, maybe as a fifth fifth midfielder, maybe he's just just that kind of ideal person. So the the stats that everyone has been talking about lately are to do with handballs and and penalties, because so far we've had 20 penalties in just 28 matches. And I think six of them have been for handball. Harry, you were writing earlier about the more lenient interpretation the uh, Premier League have, have been kind of have been asking the referees to in, implement now uh, apparently the dire handball would still be a penalty. I assume everyone has seen this at this point where he's not he 's looking away, his arm is up in the air, and it hits him he, he 's not even facing the ball. so maybe you could explain to people what like what does this interpretation mean? Are we still going to see loads of of penalties? As we have, you know, as many penalties as we have been the first few weeks?
2: I think we're definitely going to see more penalties than we have done in previous seasons, even with the added leniency they've come to. So basically, they've asked referees to consider the position of players in relation to their opponents rather than if it hits the ball, it's handball, if it's um, an unnatural position. But things like the dire handball will still be. Penalties. If the hand is raised above the shoulder, it's a penalty. But the other ones we've seen, so the the Joel Ward one for Crystal Palace and the Victor Lindelof one, will not be penalties. But I still think with the rules changes that have come in, there's still going to be a lot more penalties than we've seen in previous seasons.
0: Okay, that's interesting because this is the same rule actually that that Serie A and La Liga adopted last season and we saw in Italy there was 57 penalties awarded and in Spain there was 48 and just compare that to last year's total in the Premier League there was only 19. Sorry, that's, that's handball uh, infractions I should say not just overall penalties so penalties for handball infractions that's a huge difference so I think even with this leniency like you said we'll still see a good amount Dara do you do you think it's a maybe a good idea then to to lop on to penalty takers I have seen a couple of people post teams full of just people who, who take penalties you have this one guy here is front six is Salah, Obamiang Fernandez, De Bruyne, Click. Maupe and Richarlison do you think that's a sound strategy or are you going to get caught out there
1: I think there's a certain number of penalty takers that they sort of need to need to be the, the talisman for their team as well, not just someone who's on penalties. Because if you look at the likes of Harvey Barnes for Leicester, he still looks a really like a really good threat going forward. Yeah, he doesn't take penalties. So you can't mm-hmm. just ignore him over somebody else that's on penalties. Yeah. When you look at Fardy, like four of his five goals have been penalties. He yeah. hasn't really looked like he's done up and up too much apart from that. And Rodgers has said that he's been carrying this hip injury for the last few weeks, so... Who knows whether he's at full fitness or not. He's like 0.53 non-penalty expected goals when you take away the four. So I don't know. It's obviously going to play a big part, but how much do you want to go all in on it? I'm I'm not so sure.
0: But yeah, because that's the thing. Because I think if if you were going for a kind of penalty first approach to team selection, Jamie Vardy would be at the top. However, we've already seen the variance with Vardy where like, if he gets penalties, He's going to have a great game because he's so clinical with him. He's he's almost always going to score, but he also has those games like he did against Barns, uh, sorry, Barnsley, Burnley, where he just isn't involved in the play really all that much. And uh, even though there was four goals scored by Leicester, he just wasn't. He didn't look like scoring. So that's also the risk you take where he is going to have that variance there. But in terms of penalties, like he is the player to have you know i was looking at some stats for my stats column at the weekend and he's won 18 penalties which is the second most in Premier League history behind Raheem Sterling, who has 19, and uh, he scored 21 penalties since his top-flight debut. So he is the man to have in terms of penalties. But like I said, in general play, he's only taken 58 touches of the ball this season, and the only player to have had less who has played at least 180 minutes is Aaron Connolly. But you know, like we said, if he keep, if they keep getting the penalties, then happy days. Right up next is bandwagons. <clears throat> Now it's time to take a look at a few of the players that everyone is in a hurry to get in and the players that FBL managers are getting rid of quicker than Eric Dyer sprinting to the loo. Right, Dara, I have to start off with Patrick Bramford because I feel like that Principal Skinner meme where it's like, am I wrong? No, it's the children who are wrong. You know, at what point is this no longer a bandwagon and the real deal because he's returning in every single game?
1: Yeah, he's he's exceeded my expectations for him already. I'm not sure. I think... Like just the way Leeds are a pretty good attacking team, so I'm sure he'll continue to get chances. But I mean, the the chances that he's getting, he just seems to put them away. So that has to end. That can't continue at the, the rate it's going at the moment.
0: Yeah, I mean, at some point he he has to stop scoring, surely. But uh, yeah, I, I I don't know. He's making a fool of of me now. You know, I I had him. I remember I had him in one draft in preseason. I also had him on my a uh, wild card briefly just to get the benefit of uh, some price rises and he was just kind of like a placeholder but I, I got rid of him would have been better off than bloody Werner I tell you that much yeah I just I just can't this guy this guy what is, how does he get away with it I don't know
1: well, he's got a bit of competition now there from Rodrigo, so maybe that's that's up in his game. But yeah, I'm sure there'll be a lot of red arrows once he gets subbed on 45 minutes in one of the games.
0: Yeah. yeah. Now, some popular tra- transfers coming in this week, which maybe I'm I'm not so sure of. I see James Justin at, at 4.7. Obviously, a really cheap player. 145,000 people have brought him in. I actually got rid of him ahead of the Man City game for reasons that we spoke about last week, Dara. A few others. I mean, the, the transfers actually seem to be getting a little bit more sensible. What do you make of Jimmy Dunn, Harry, who is 4.0 defender? People have been talking about James Tarkowski maybe taking back his place when he comes back, but there's also talk about him going to Leicester and he's holding out for a move. Do you think he's a a sound enough transfer at 4.0 because a lot of people are getting him in?
2: I think he's worth looking at at the moment. I'm with it that he's probably not going to keep his place when Tarkowski comes back. I, I can't see... Burnley allowing Tarakoski to leave before the deadline. Their squad is just painfully mm-hmm. thin, and he's he's obviously one of their key players. I think to return to training now, Tarakoski as well, which means if you bring in Dunn, is it going to be a short-term option? I think so. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not I'm not too I'm not too sure on him. I'll be honest. I, I think he's he's in the team now, and he he may get minutes if there's another injury, but I don't think he's going to stay yeah. as a first I, choice for Burnley.
0: And I don't think that defense looks quite as sturdy as it did for long stretches of, of last season
2: no I, I think Burnley are going to struggle this year in comparison yeah. to previous seasons yeah I just don't think the squad's big enough to, yeah. to repeat what they've been doing they've been punching above with the weight for far too long in my opinion
0: interesting right in terms of transfers out then there's a few notable players Dara chief among them is Timo Werner who dropped in price this week to 9.4 almost half a million players have gotten rid of him Is that too rash, or is it time to get rid? Is it time to get off the Timo train?
1: It's hard to say. I don't know. Like he still has some good fixtures to come. I just what would worry me is he's been shifted out wide rather than playing up front. So he's basically like playing where Aubameyang is playing, as but he's not getting the same points. He's not getting any points. He's
0: not even scoring. Mm -hmm. He did Um, score though uh, midweek against Spurs. It was a very good goal.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure on F- Lampard and Chelsea yet, to be honest with you. The jury's out for me. He just mm-hmm. seems to like he's playing fancy manager or something. He's just throwing out all the players. I probably have a stronger look at him, everyone's back from injury, but I just I don't know. There's just something off with Chelsea at the moment that I can't quite put my finger on.
0: Yeah, I would agree. I, I don't think Chelsea look look very good at all. I, I posted a, an article actually today about Frank Lampard and just how he doesn't seem to be capable of introspection when it comes to his management. Uh, you know, if you watch his post-match interview from the West Brom game, you know, and some just bizarre, you know, tactical decisions. You know, maybe that's actually being a bit harsh, but it just didn't seem like there was a clear, well-thought-out plan there. And every, everyone's wondering, it's like, what, what is he trying to do here? And yet he's he's there saying, well, it was mistakes that cost us the game. You know, and he's he's not taking any responsibility really. And and I wonder. Is he long for that job? And I just, I think, I just, I don't know. I just don't know when this team is going to start performing again. Everyone keeps talking about when Zayash comes back and when Pulisic comes back. But I mean, like, I don't know. They still have talented players and they look useless. Like, to be honest with you, they don't, they don't look like they're at the races at all. Some other players going out, obviously Mar- Anthony Martial, people are leaving in their droves. Alexander Mitrovic, probably to be expected. Jimenez, Amazingly, he's he's actually there's been loads of transfers in for him, and then also a load out. Bizarre, anyway, so so weird. Sometimes looking at these yeah, uh, transfers, that was one that
1: stood out to me. All right,
0: and then obviously the most transferred out is Young Min Son. <laughs> Almost actually, it's seven hundred and seventy nine thousand seven hundred and ninety nine transfers out for heung Son obviously because uh, Jose Mourinho said that he's not going to be back until after the international break so he's in my team we're going to talk about that in uh, in uh, team surgery a little bit later on but uh, yeah he is obviously he is the most transferred out player this week right under the radar lads and a player I want to bring up is this is actually cheating a bit because the official FPL Twitter account tweeted about this it's uh, Connor Hurahan Basically, Fantasy Premier League tweeted, since last season's restart, no Aston Villa player has more attacking returns than Conor Hurrihan. He has a goal and four assists. Uh, what do you make of that, Dara? I actually realize I've already pronounced his name wrong. He likes to be pronounced uh, Hørring, not Hurin. Yes, our 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 fellow compatriot. What do you what do you make of that one? I just have the feeling that maybe he's just slightly too expensive. Like he's six point zero, but but John McGinn is five point five. I don't get that. I don't get why John McGinn be five point five and Hørring, sorry, would be six point zero when they got this the, almost the identical. Number of points last year, so I I think just it's just slightly too expensive to justify for me. But would you, would you yeah. see him as a, like a kind of nice little differential, especially now that uh, Aston Villa don't look as shambolic as they did last season?
1: No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be looking at him. They're not going to be playing Fulham every week, are they? No, I mean. Like, what was the stat? The most returns from any Aston Villa player. I mean, they didn't score that many goals last season for a start, so that
0: kind of makes the stat less impressive. Yeah, true. Well, what about you, Harry? Do you have uh, somebody under the radar? I
2: was just going to touch on uh, Harrowham before I started. I'd stay clear as well. They've just signed Ross Barkley today, haven't they? Aston Villa. Uh, well, yeah, a season-long loan true. deal. So, so I'd be waiting to see how Barkley fits in before jumping on that. For my own under the radar, I've got Andros Townsend. Written down. Ah. So he's he's returned in all three games so far. He's only sitting at 3.1, three point one three four three point one percent ownership. Palace play Chelsea next before facing Brighton and Fulham in their next two. Ordinarily, I would say Chelsea looks like a difficult game, but with the way Chelsea are playing in their backline, I think it could be tailor made for Crystal Palace. The pace they've got from if if Zaha's on form, I think I think they could get some joy. So I think he's. Interesting to look at so far. Yeah, he's uh returned in all three games.
0: That's an interesting pick. What about you, Dara? I've gone for Treore of Wolves.
1: Everybody seems to be on the Podence or Jimenez or someone from the defense at the moment. Traore was a little bit forgotten about because he was playing wing back, but now they've signed. Is it Semedo? Nelson right
0: Semedo, yeah.
1: In the last even though they lost 4 0 against West Ham, Traore was was the most advanced player on the pitch. He had eight crosses against West Ham as well. Which was the most of any player on the pitch. Obviously, it was a horrible performance all around from, from Wolves, but I expect them to bounce back and they've got they've got Fulham next. They've got a nice run of fixtures actually. Fulham Leeds, Newcastle, and Palace. So yeah, that that further forward positioning for him entices me a little bit.
0: Okay, yeah. I I mean, you know, I love Adama Treori. Unbelievable player. I think he's brilliant. And he's you know a top-class fantasy asset. So he's definitely. One that I, I will always big up because he's uh, he's just brilliant. But uh, we'll see. I think Semedo is injured. Is that correct? Did he get an injury, or or is he unavailable, or something? Yeah, he picked up an injury in the last. One. Yeah, yeah. So we'll see. But yeah, like you said, I think long term, like he's definitely he's definitely an option because they've they've kind of gotten those uh, those defenders in that will mean that the the kind of players like Podence and and Traore can play further up the pitch. So. Be smooth Jimmy's
2: lock of the week. Ooh, that's a big luck, alright.
0: Now, lock of the week, lads. I've gone for a pretty easy one. I've gone for a simple one. Danny Ings against West Brom. Everyone is focusing on Jimenez against Fulham, but uh, West Brom actually, in terms of their defensive underlying stats, I'd be mean, West Brom are actually even worse. I think Fulham look worse, but West Brom, in terms of numbers, are worse. So I wouldn't be surprised if, if Danny Ings bagged a rare brace he usually gets like one one goal a game I think he had only one brace last season so if he's going to bag more than one return in any game week this year I think this is this is one of them where he's going to do it so I think he'll get at least a goal maybe more what about you Dara what do you think
1: I had two and you've mentioned one so I suppose I'll have to go with him and his. yeah I just, just think they're going to they're going to get a kick up the arse and they'll be wanting to to get a result, especially against Fulham, who were just absolutely awful defensively. Just yeah. too many errors in there; they're all over the place at the back.
0: I don't think I've ever been as mad watching Fulham. Oh, I've, it was, I've, I it's I,
1: the worst I can ever remember. It
0: it was just horrific. It was just it was constant, like start just to finish pain. <laughs> it was just awful. <laughs> it was I torture. just. Oh my god! Yeah, and um, I hear uh, Harry is a big fan of Tony Khan, actually
2: that that has been a uh, misconstrued that i just said i i like the way he came out and told and yeah, told yeah. it as it was on twitter but i appreciate he's not the most yeah. uh, popular man with the football supporters
0: to, to be fair you know uh, i i get that actually from the perspective of of people outside the Fulham bubble because they see that and they go oh they're actually communicating you know a lot of clubs would kill for that any sort of communication whatsoever a bit of bit of honesty but I think it's just the fact that Tony Khan just needs to shut up and just do his job and not give excuses and the fact that he's actually he is addicted to Twitter and he just needs to get off it he has also in the past whether it's been American football wrestling or football he likes to vanity search and respond to criticism, so I think he just needs to put the phone down and just get on with the job. His many jobs that he has at the minute, but yeah, Fulham just looked like an absolute banker when it comes to fantasy football. Ho- hopefully that's not the case, Dara, but uh, we'll see anyway. Ha- Harry, what about you? Lock of the week?
2: Uh, looking through my team, my defenders have actually got the better fixtures, but I think my lock. Is going to be a Aubameyang. I know a lot of people have jumped off him at the moment, but Arsenal have got Sheffield United at home, and I just don't think Sheffield United look like they're going to replicate last yeah. season's achievements. They've they've not scored yet. They've lost all three games, um, and I expect expecting Arsenal to bounce back from defeat at Liverpool with a with a comfortable win. Yeah, so Aubameyang for me.
0: That's an interesting call, actually, and I think um, yeah, like it's it's. Starting to get a little bit worrying about Sheffield United, but uh, Rian Brewster might be finally coming in, so I don't know, they might finally get that much-needed striker. Right, one-week punt, lads. Harry, you mentioned Crystal Palace against Chelsea, and you said that uh, Andros Townsend was your kind of under-the-radar differential. I'm going to say that Wilfred Zaha is primed to get returns here. I think if Chelsea play anything like they did against West Brom and uh, in their other matches, I think Wilfred Zaha will Definitely punish them. What about you, Harry? It's not
2: quite left field, but I fancy Richardson to return this weekend. Um, I think he's been slightly overlooked in favour of Calvert Lewin Rodriguez in the first few game weeks. Mm. But I think he, he's looked arguably Everton's most dangerous player in the games. He's looked really sharp yeah. and he looks to be on penalties, and that was all, well, which, as we spoke about earlier, could see him return, big returns. They're, they're playing Brighton at home, who I think Brighton have looked, looked decent, even though they've lost two of their opening three. But I think Everton are playing with a lot of confidence at the moment, and I, I fancy Allison to return this weekend.
1: Dara? I'll go for Will am of Arsenal. <laughs> I, I think Sheffield United are, are again in a bit of trouble. They conceded the most chances down the right flank of any Premier League team. So I think Willian could get a few assists he could set up he looks ripe for returns there they've also conceded more chances conceded than any other team down that, that flank as well so 18 in three games so that could be an opportunity for him there against Sheffield United
0: right so so now it's time for team surgery where we kind of uh, look at the potential transfers that we might make. Harry, have you got a transfer in mind already?
2: I'm torn, I'll be honest. I'm torn between saving a transfer and I'm looking at Werner. I've still got him in at the moment, but it's concerning me how many have taken him out. I'm worried about his price and I'm worried about, it doesn't look like Lampard knows how to get the best out of him, which is concerning me. Overall, I think my fixtures look fairly solid on paper for the weekend, so I'm considering holding my nerve at the moment. But we'll see and see if um, Pedance is fit as well. That could influence me to make a late change. But I'm going to try and hold my nerve. I think if I can.
0: Darren, what about you? Do you have a, a move in mind? I think I'm kind of similar to Harry. Um...
1: Uh, Werner might be the one to go for me and if he does it'll probably be Danny Ings because I'm just looking to target that leaky defence of, of West Brom
0: Yeah I'm I'm looking at bringing in Danny Ings as well I'll actually bring in my lock of the week because last week I said Riyad Mahrez of course and he goes and returns and who um, was my yeah my, my uh, lock of the week before that was young Sun and obviously he got those four goals so I think I should I really should get Danny Ings get rid of get rid of Werner bring in Danny Ings Uh, my only problem is is now I've I've got Daniel Podence, who I'll probably just keep I'll just see what happens with him but obviously, I've got heung Son. And the other night, I, I could have swapped Werner for Jimenez and gotten that, uh, that juicy uh, price differential. And as well, had had uh, Son for Bruno. And it would have taken a four-point hit, but I would have had exactly the right money for it. Because <laughs> I woke up in the middle of the night, and uh, I was like, oh, I'll just check my team and just see if I'll make that transfer now. Because I knew the prices were going to change. While I was fiddling around with the team, the prices changed. So I couldn't, I, I missed out on uh, banking that profit. Because I got Son at 8.9. He moves up to 9.1. Now he's back down to 9.0. So I'm just going to wait and see. I'm going to make a decision probably on Friday. But the one I'm looking at, I think, is Werner to Ings. But definitely, I think I'm going to go for Son to Harvey Barnes. So, Daryl, what do you think? Do you think that's worth a hit? Do you think that's a smart move? Or should I just get rid of Son and hold on to Werner?
1: I'd wait and see. Because something came out today about Son possibly being eligible this weekend. What? Not for... Yeah. So keep an eye on that first before you do any
0: four-point hits. Oh, no. Oh, God. This is going to have me... I wish he had said nothing, because now I'm going to be thinking (laughs) about this all week. Oh, wow. Right. Captaincy, the most important part of the show. Who have you got the armband on, Dara? I'm undecided at the moment.
1: I think it could be a week to take a punt. I think the the captaincy will be spread out a bit, but I'm kind of between two or three at the moment. Salah against Villa. I don't think their defence is probably as good as people think it is. They've played against 10-man Sheffield United and also against Fulham, or it could be Ings if I bring him in, or it could be Jimenez against Fulham, and I just haven't decided as of yet.
0: Yeah, I feel like those uh, fixtures are almost too good to to pass up Wolves versus Fulham and Southampton versus West Brom, especially when they have two prime attacking players. So I think yeah, either of them, Ings or Jimenez, would be good picks. Uh, What about you, Harry?
2: I'm torn between Salah at Aston Villa, as we just said. they play played Sheffield United and Fulham, so I'm not completely convinced that they're reborn as a defensively solid outfit. Um, at the moment, I have it on Aubameyang, though. I think Sheffield United are in trouble. This season, and I think Aubameyang will bounce back this weekend. At home, I always fancy him to score. And off the attacking players I've got in my team, I think that's probably the best fixture.
0: Yeah, it sounds like a plan anyway. Currently, I have Kevin De Bruyne captain that obviously burned me last week. But yeah, I don't know. Just uh, Leeds giving up a lot of chances. Man City still have a lot of attacking power. I mean, like they were handily beaten by Leicester City, but still scored two, scored two goals. So they're capable of scoring three goals in, in any given match. Mo Salah versus Villa is, is intrigues me, but I'm also considering Calvert-Lewin versus Brighton. It's not usually the kind of captain's pick I would make, especially when, when a guy who's been on a roll like that, I'm expecting him to stop scoring any minute now, but uh, he's, he's still on my mind as well. But at the minute, it's Kevin De Bruyne, and we'll see if uh, maybe my mind changes between now and the deadline right lads i think that's the end of our show for more football content head to thefootballfaithful.com i write an fbl column every week so expect that on a thursday or friday you can follow us on facebook instagram and twitter just search for football faithful you can follow me at the novelty act you can follow dara at the Men, lads thanks a million for joining me tonight thank you dara thank you and thank you harry one of our own diamond yes lads and thanks for listening